Let's sing that together one more time. You are my King. Jesus, you are my King. You, you are my King. Jesus, you are my King. And He is. He is. Let's pray. Jesus, You are my King. Father, it's my prayer that every heart, every mind, within the sound of my voice, would scream aloud that You are my King. That You would be my all in all. That there would be a great love for You. Seeking after Your face. Knowing You by the power that You give. Father, I pray for every person here. I pray, Lord, that You would give ears to hear and a mind to perceive. A heart to sense Your presence. And a willingness to pursue You no matter what the cost. Thank you, O God, for this precious gift of your word and this gift of coming together. I pray that you would use this time to transform lives, to renew marriages, to heal relationships, to fix homes, to draw unto yourself, to bring about salvation, that your name may be lifted high in all the world. For we do pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I am so glad you're here. Today we are starting a brand new series. It's in the book of Galatians. Now, usually when we do a series, we do a series for around four, maybe six weeks. Um, We've done one series. The longest series we've ever done is 11 weeks, right? Uh, That was the series on wisdom. Uh, We're going to go into a series because we're overachievers here. And so we're going to go into a series that should take us about six months, probably longer. And it's going to be amazing. It's going to blow you away what you're going to learn about God and his word, about how you're going to seek his face and how to pursue him. It's a study in the book of Galatians. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to open up Galatians. And we're going to start with the first verse and about... July will end in the last verse, and it'll be absolutely fantastic. Now, I'm going to give you, uh, if, you come to my, if you come to these services, here's what you're going to find. Our sermon series are not put together like other sermon series. It's sort of like, you know, you come to a sermon series, and you go to the first, and it's like, okay, so, you know, here's a sermon, right, and here's the four points to the sermon, and then, you know, there's a closing, right? That's not the way it is with us. With us, we just, we have one big idea for each service, and it kind of builds off each other. Now, you can come to each one and get something out of it, but I really do want you to come to each one of these. It's going to be so beneficial and so powerful uh, for you. We're going to be studying through the book of Galatians. Today, we're just going to look through the um, verses 1, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Now, before I get into that book, I have to, um, I'm going to tell you all about who Paul is and, you know, uh, why he wrote this letter. I'm going to tell you about the Galatians and why they needed this letter. I'm going to tell you about uh, the history and where Paul was and all that other stuff. But before I tell you all that, I want to tell you a story because I think it kind of, um, the name of the series, by the way, the name of this series is called um, uh, Breaking Free from Religion. That's the name of the series. Breaking free from religion. Now, that probably brings up some emotional uh, deal. Like some of you, it's like, woohoo! And for other of you, it's like, what does he mean by that? Breaking free from religion. If you stick around, you'll understand the, the series. Today, the, the title for today's message is called The Rescue. If you wanted to listen to it again, you can go on online at nbtbrooklyn.org. You know, put this on your, on everybody on their, uh, on your Facebook should have that as a link that other people can link to, nbtbrooklyn.org. You can also 
uh, send it to your friends. Another thing you can do is you can podcast it. We're NBT Sermons. Uh, yeah, that's the way it's po- You go on iTunes and you press NBT Sermons and you can get them. Okay, so before I tell you about all about this book, I've got to tell you about an incident that happened around 30-something years ago, about 31 years ago. So I'm about five years old, right? I go to the park, as I usually did with my mom. My mom would take me to the park. My mom was one of those people who would take me to the park almost every day. You know, she was like me. I don't like going to the park with my kids. It always, is anybody else like that? Like, do you see a kid messing with your kid and you want to find the parents to beat them up so that their kids could understand that violence is not the way? Is that weird? Yeah, I know. I'm like that, right? That's me. And so I'm very wired that way. So I, I used to, I, with my son, I discovered that I couldn't go to the park. Well, my mom wasn't like that. She took me to the park every week, every day, almost. And so we, we, were, um, we were in the park, and I was playing. I was playing around 50 yards away. The park was called McCarran Park. And some of you know where that is. It's about four and a half miles away from here. And there's this, like, sort of empty pool. Um, there, there used to be a pool there when I was real, real tiny, and then it, um, they, they closed it down one summer about when I was about five years old, and they haven't opened it again, although they're probably going to open it soon because, okay, let me not get into my political thing, but, um, all right, so it's, the, the neighborhood's gentrified, so all of a sudden, you know, all right, so let me not do that, okay, because I'm not going to rail against the man today, okay, and so I'm playing, I'm about 50 yards away, uh, from my mom, and someone, uh, an adult male, comes up, and I think he offers me candy. I can't remember this too. It was either candy, <coughs> or he offered me a, a, a game, or something like that, to play, or something like that. I'm like, I'm all for that. And this is, I, I guess this was before, it's about 30 years ago. So everybody knows, right? You teach your kids, don't go away with strangers, and all that other stuff. Well, that's just a recent phenomenon. You, you really didn't teach your kids about this. Uh, 30 years ago um, or so. So, you know, so he's offering me candy or something, something that I found appealing. And I was like, cool. And he was like, oh, come with me. I have some more. Or, or, or show me the directions to someplace, something like that. And so I go, sure. So I think I have his candy or, or whatever the treat was. I don't remember if it was a toy or candy. And I grab his hand and we go through the gate you know, it was gated off. The um, McCarran Park, the pool part, is gated off. If you can imagine a whole gate around the pool. And there was like a little opening. It wasn't like a legal opening. It was broken. And so uh, he squeezed through, and I squeezed through, which made a natural division between my mom and him. And I'm walking to, with him towards an abandoned locker room. Right? Abandoned locker room. So... I'm walking with him, I'm about five years old, something in my mother's, you know how like um, uh, moms have that sort of intuitive deal, they know that they're kids, it's, you know, it's something that God put on, in them. And so it's like, you know, it's not that mystical, it's just like, you know, there's a, there's a bond there. And so my mother, you know, started to look around towards the place that she last saw me, and then she saw this adult person with this little boy, and he's walking towards this abandoned uh, edifice, this, this locker room system. And so I'm walking and I, I have no, and then I, I hear my mother screaming at the top of my mother could scream, you know, all Puerto Rican can, uh, all Puerto Rican women can scream, but my mother could really scream, right? Screaming and flailing her arms, really insane looking. And so she was running towards me, flailing her arms, looking insane. And she was, Edwin, run. Edwin, run. And I'm just kind of holding the guy's hands. And like my thoughts are coming like, gosh, she's overreacting, isn't she? What is she saying? Edwin, she's about 50 yards away. Maybe more. And she's running. And some of the guys who are in the playground, the men who are in the playground, recognize what's going on. And so they start screaming, Edwin, run, as they're running towards me. Now, this person, let me tell you, something special happened in that moment because this person obviously had bad intentions because he started to run. So there was some real negative, bad, and some of you know what I'm talking about. There was some very bad ideas in this person's mind to take a little five-year-old into an abandoned locker room where no one could hear anyone. Well, uh, he started to run. And I remember my mother coming up to me and saying, Edwin, you never, and she just, you know, she was like, I'm thinking to myself, you're just overreacting. In fact, if I was older, 
That's what I would have told her. I was just scared at that moment. You know, she looked real serious. The men around her asked if I was okay. She was just going ballistic. And if I was older, I would have told her to calm down. You're overreacting. You're not, you're not being sensible. Okay. There was two reasons why that was such an intense moment. Number one, let me tell you why it was an intense moment. It wasn't an intense moment for me. It was an intense moment for my mom. Let me tell you why. Number one, she realized by me holding the man's hand that I did not know that I was in danger. But she knew that I was in danger. Are you getting that? Like, it's possible to be in danger and not to know that you're in danger. It's possible to be in danger and not to know, not to know that you're walking towards a very painful place. Okay, so that was the first thing. And the second thing that happened is that her reaction to her was the only reasonable reaction that she could have, and yet it looked foolish towards her intended object, me. Right? So, for me, I was looking at her, and I was saying, she's really overreacting. This is really too much. What is she yelling about? What did I do now? I'm just walking with this nice guy who gave me gifts. Right? And she is absolutely going... So those two things are going on. This is important to understand. If we're going to understand... Now, why did I say this story? Because this story uh, that I just shared with you shares... And again, some of you moms understand deeply. Some of you people who are not even parents know what it's like and, and you didn't have someone to run and say, get out of that room. Maybe it was with an uncle. Maybe it wasn't a stranger. And, and, and maybe it was a brother or sister or cousin or friend of the family or um, uh, uh, acquaintance or teacher or someone that you gave your trust to. And terrible things happened. So emotionally... You, when I tell that story, something happens in your emotions that you go, oh, wow, thank God that your mother went so crazy. Thank God that your mother, you know, fled. thank God that those guys are there. And thank God that all that happened, you know, that, that, that you were able to get away and not be in. What we find in the book of Galatians is an apostle by the name of Paul. Paul... Now, I'm going to get to why we started to talk on that story and then uh, bring it to the book of Galatians. Paul was an evangelist and an apostle. Somebody say apostle. apostle. Apostle, right. He was an apostle. He was sent by God to do a mission for God, to tell the world about the grace that is found in Jesus Christ. So what he did is he traveled all over Really, almost all over the world. I mean, uh, in a day where no electricity, boats, you know, the power, the power behind boats were the, the wind. You understand? And so he traveled in, you know, several different continents just proclaiming the name of Jesus. And what he would do is he would plant churches. Not, un- not dissimilar to what we do here. Anybody know that? That this is a church that plants churches. There's Arhau, and then there's Saihau, and then there's Kaihau. It's a Coney Island house of worship. We call it Kaihau just, just to make it easy. Um, and there's, um, yeah, right. Those, you know, and we're going to, by God's grace, plant more churches. Because we believe that the best way to reach different communities is to put a church there. A community. Like, you know, Bronx would be a great place to have a church, right? Um, uh, uh, Manhattan would be a great place to have a recovery church. Wouldn't it be? Isn't that true? Like, there's just different places you could just think of. So this is what we do. Well, now, Paul went... Now, when he planted a church... You see, when I say church, some of you think building. Some of you think edifice. Some of you think brick and mortar and address. You know, 360 Skimmerhorn, 195 Graham Avenue. You think these addresses. That's not at all what a church was. And in the first century, the church wasn't anything like this. It wasn't nearly this big when people would meet together. And um, what they would do is that they would, Paul would come, he would preach the gospel, people would believe, he would go into their homes, that was the home, it was like a house church. And then he would preach the gospel, they would get their, they would gather their friends, maybe it would be a dozen people, maybe two dozen, a very big one would be three dozen, like 36 people, crammed in a little house, hearing about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, Paul goes, in fact, um, if you want to see a picture, because this is not, Paul went to Galatia. If you want to see a modern day picture of Galatia, we have one up here. 
You see like the, how like tiny those houses are and how they're packed in together? Kind of looks a little bit distant, but you can get the idea that these weren't like skyscraping houses. This is, to, this is a modern day picture, so it was even less then. And there weren't like skyscrapers, they weren't like condos or anything like that. There certainly weren't these big cathedral buildings that we see today. It was just these itty bitty homes. Most people slept in the same room. It's not like your house where you have a bedroom and your kids have a bedroom and all that other stuff. It's, it's just this little itty bitty place. Well, Paul went to these little itty bitty places to, and all over he started to plant churches. Then he had to leave because God was calling him to go somewhere else. So he went to Galatia and Ephesus, and he went to all these different places that God was calling him to. Now watch this. When he went away, Paul got word. This is where it starts making sense why I started with this stuff. Paul got word that some false apostles, people with false doctrine, started to come into this community of churches Right? Because it wasn't just one church, like everybody met in one place. It was house churches bah, 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 all over Galatia. That's why Paul starts off with, uh, you know, to the Galatians, right? He doesn't say to Galatian or to the church. He says to all the churches in Galatia. He's speaking to many different house churches. This is fascinating. Paul comes in with news that's better than anything that they could possibly imagine. Here's the news. You could be free from religion. And you can embrace Jesus. And that you could have a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. His name is Jesus. You don't have to perform for him. You don't have to work your way up for him. You don't have to make sure that you're good enough. You don't have to work really hard to get his affection. And then, oh, by the way, you blew it. Now you don't have that affection anymore. But work really hard again. Ooh, now I got that affection. So the, the basis of the relationship is your performance as opposed to what God has done. No, 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 no. He said, you're free. You're free from that. Imagine being on the treadmill of performance. Two years, ten years, fifteen years. When most of us think of religion, we think of, well, I don't want to, you know, because I don't want to do this. I don't know if I can do that. I'm not sure that I could be that. And you just misunderstood the entire gospel. Galatians, Paul pours his life with these people to share with these stories. But then he has to go. So he goes and he finds out that someone and someones are offering gifts and trinkets in the form of different teachings. And he's coming up to the, 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 the false apostles are coming up to the work that Paul has done. To the people who are fresh, new believers, just like some of you here. Less than a year in Christ, less than two years in Christ. And Paul comes up to these, and these false apostles come up to these people and say, Oh, 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 listen, you, you, it's not enough just to believe in Jesus. You've got to believe in Jesus and be circumcised. It's Jesus plus. Now some of you go, wow, thank God Christianity has developed so much. We don't do that anymore. Are you kidding? We do that all the time. It's Jesus plus being very good. Jesus plus memorizing scriptures. Jesus plus going to church. Jesus plus, you know, giving a lot of money. Jesus plus, you know, performing in a particular way. Jesus plus not watching dirty movies. Jesus plus not um, sexually acting out. Jesus plus not picking up a drug. Jesus plus 12 steps. Jesus plus uh, uh, making meetings. Jesus plus something else. My works, my effort, my, so that the basis of your relationship with God is sort of watered down. It's no longer Jesus. It's Jesus plus. Jesus plus being very sacrificial. Jesus plus suffering a great deal. Jesus plus, you know, becoming a pastor. Jesus plus. And Paul, 
from about a distance of 50 yards, starts writing a letter where his hands are flailing in the sky. And he's saying, run! Get away! Don't believe that doctrine. Don't believe those lies. Don't believe. It's not Jesus plus. It's Jesus. Insane. Now, the reason I say that is because when we read, Paul is not playing. And so we're going to read some stuff that Paul says, and this is not going to come for another couple of months. But Paul actually goes, and one, this is very funny. If it wasn't so bad, it would be really, really funny. But it's very funny because they're saying Jesus plus their religion. Jesus plus what they believe, their tradition, their religion. Right. And so uh, Paul goes, these guys are so fascinated with, uh, you know, circumcision. Right. And he goes, so he says something like this. He goes, you know what? If if cir- being circumcised puts you on the team. You know, I wish they would just go varsity and cut it off. He actually says that I wish that they would emasculate themselves. He actually said that, you know, hey, listen, if, if, if circumcision puts you on the team, you should go varsity. <laughs> you, should, you, should, you should go for the letter, <laughs> the club. You know, you should, you should cut the whole thing off. And uh, it's really funny. Now, Paul is going to say, you know why Paul is going to act so outrageous? And you know why Paul is going to offend all of us? throughout this series because there's this precious child that he loves and he knows that this child will be molested by this tainting of the gospel in their soul molested in their soul and that they might not ever recover and so he is emphatic about proclaiming the gospel to those that he's proclaiming it to. With that, I want you to jump down to Galatians chapter 1. Today we're talking about the rescue. Now, what's interesting is that this very first passage, Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, is a greeting that Paul gives. But Paul is so supercharged about what he's about to say that he can't hold back. In the very opening statement, he starts chipping away at this false belief system that they have. He says this, uh, and I want you to just look at this. He goes, Paul, an apostle, and then there's a dash. In some of your Bibles, there's a dash if you're looking here on the screen. It's, it's almost, that's going to be like, the, what he's going to say next is a parenthetical thought. And then he's going to finish his greeting. So if you would just jump. It's Paul and Apostle. And I'll jump to verse 2. And all the brothers who are with me. That's actually the statement. that he's. That's the greeting. Paul and Apostle and all the brothers with me. You know, send your greetings. You know, that's the actual statement. But he's so supercharged. So supercharged. That even before he finishes his hello. Like in between. You know, like if it was like dear. It would be death. And then, e, you know, and in between those, it would be this statement that he writes. He goes back to verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Paul is not playing. This is about Jesus. Just in case you're not sure and you're in church and you're not sure what we're about, we're about Jesus. We're about Jesus like all the time. We're fanatical and obsessed about Jesus. Jesus saved our soul and he saves our lives. He gives us purpose for living. He gives us our sins that would be forgiven. He gives us a place in heaven. Jesus is our great Lord and God and King. Jesus is the one whom we praise and lift up high. Jesus is the one whom we celebrate and worship. Jesus is the one whom we say you are our all in all. It's about Jesus. And Paul begins his statement and he says, Paul an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God, the Father, who raised him from the dead. Paul 
Paul, Paul is saying something very, very important. In the very opening statement of his verse, he's saying, listen, I'm not teaching you clever philosophies. I'm not going to teach you. I'm not going to. I wasn't taught this by a man or somebody on TV. I wasn't taught this because I read this book. Like there are so many false teachers out there. In America, you're swimming in it. You're swimming in it. It's in the air. It's in the air that you breathe. It comes out of your pores. The false doctrine that... Here's... You know, just let me give you some examples. Um, uh, doesn't God just want me to be happy? This is an absolute aberration. What? God... Do you mean that's the basis by which you make your decisions? That What makes you happy in that moment? Let me tell you something. At six years old, what made me happy is different than at 36, what makes me happy, right? At at 36, what made me happy at six makes me miserable at 36, right? You cannot. And doesn't God just want me to be happy? Doesn't God? No, not if it means sin. God wants you to walk for him. Let me tell you what God wants for you. He wants your life to be an expression of his glory. Whoa. Wait, wait, wait. You, You know, surely God wants me to be happy and filled with money and never sick and if anything bad happens to me that that can't possibly be god using that to draw me closer to himself for his glory no 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 god just wants me to be happy healthy wealthy and these are false doctrines you breathe these in you go what's wrong with that it's it's in the air we breathe. And Paul says, no, 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 no. I didn't get this from man or from men. I got this from God himself. I'm going to dare say something right now. Like what I'm about to teach you in the word of God, insofar as I stick to the word of God, I'll claim the same authority that Paul did. That insofar as I stay close to God's word in so far as I speak to you the words and teach to you the words of Jesus Christ I can I can say listen I'm not coming to you with my ideas thoughts or presuppositions I'm not coming to you with worldly wisdom or personal wisdom or experience experience has its place but I'm not coming to you with that I'm coming to you with God's word and in so far as that is concerned that's where the authority comes from Paul says I didn't get this information because I was taught it by somebody else. I got this information because it comes from God. God gave it to me. And then he addresses who he's addressing it to. To the churches of Galatia. The churches, multiple places. This was something these false apostles had managed to get into all these different little churches. You can see that all over the place. You know, you, you, you get one false teacher in a church and what was once a sound, biblical, Bible-believing, Jesus-loving, God-glorifying church becomes a city of heresy. And it's just awful. Now, in verses 3, um, actually, yeah, in verses 3 through 5, Paul is going to give, and this is really, really interesting, Paul is going to give, in the salutation... He's going to summarize the whole book. The whole book is these next two verses, but he just has to like start in these like little moments right here, verses three through five. We're going to read it all together and then we're going to come back and unpack it because it's just fantastic. So I want you all to read with me. Um, the words will be up on the screen. I want you to read nice and loud. I want you to be louder than me, okay? So on the count of three, we'll read together. One, two, three. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul is coming to them and he's saying, here's the problem. The problem is, you don't know the gospel. You don't know the gospel. And if you think you know the gospel, you really don't know the gospel. 
And if you, you, if you, if you think that you understand and apply the gospel, and, and some of you are going, well, what's the gospel then? Well, I'm going to try to explain that to you in, in just the next few minutes. But some of you, you think, well, you know what? The gospel is something that I received. Oh, yeah, Jesus dying for my sins and giving me a place in heaven and, you know, uh, paying for my sins, giving me a purpose and, and giving me a place in heaven. And that's just the gospel. And, and you think that that's the only place. No, no, no. The gospel affects every moment, every second, every decision, every thought. The, way, the gospel affects the way you relate to your husbands, the way you relate to your wives, the way you relate to your children and your job. The gospel affects the way you think about people who hurt you and the way you act towards people who have done uh, things that were not nice. The, the gospel affects the, how you relate to your boss and what you say at the checkout line when the, when the person is not being very nice um, and how you behave when someone cuts you off and what your purpose is and what your goals are and what you're to achieve. The gospel. I wonder if I'm getting the way you eat and how you dress and what you decide is a good place for the way you act. Every single aspect of your life is affected by the gospel. Every single aspect of your life, the way you respond to your parents, the way you watch television, the movies that you allow to come into your eye gate, the songs that you allow to come in through your ear gate, the words that you allow to come out of your mouth gate, everything that happens in your life, if you follow Jesus Christ, is to be influenced, affected by the gospel. And Paul when he starts off, at the very beginning, he gives a nutshell. It's grace to you and peace from God our Father. You'll notice that Paul does this over and over again in many of his letters. Grace to you and peace. Grace to you and peace. Grace to you and peace. Let me, let me just give you a clue why. Because there is no peace without first grace. I wonder if you can just emotionally feel that. You can't, you, some of you are searching for peace. And the reason is, is because you're still trying to perform. You're still trying to find. You're looking for God in all the wrong places. In that person. In that place. In that thing. In those finances. In that feeling. With that thought. If you could just achieve this. If you could just accomplish that. If you could just. And, 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 and Paul says, grace and peace. You know why? Because that's the order that they come. It isn't until you experience the grace of God that you can experience the peace of Christ. Grace and peace. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace comes from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't find this grace. You can't discover it anywhere else. Anywhere that you go. Listen, some of you grew up in religions where... Let's see. Some of us grew up in religions where it was all about our performance. And because it was all about performance, there was no grace. There was no peace. And so you turned your back on something that the Bible never meant for you. You're, in fact, some of you, you were invited here by a friend... And the reason that you were invited here by a friend was because he's like, hey, come to this church. You know, you really enjoy this. You know, they really speak God's word and all this other stuff. But the reason that you, let's face it, the reason that you turned your back on God so long ago is because you couldn't keep up. It was almost like spiritual keeping up with the Joneses, right? Right? So Julio is like, you know, he memorized seven verses, you memorized ten, but and then Julio knocks it out of the park by memorizing a chapter, and you go, oh, oh, it's like that? And so you memorize like a book in the Bible, right? And it's only the book of Jude, which is only like half a chapter, right? And so, um, and so but you say, yeah, I got a book memorized, right? And then Julio comes back and memorizes like Deuteronomy, right? And you go, wow, you know, Julio's better than me, and I can't keep up. And, it, and you only wish it was that funny, right? No, it was more like, you know, you, you, you didn't, your skirt wasn't long enough. And so, you know, you got, or perhaps, 
you know, you weren't uh, giving enough or you didn't go to every single function that they had and so they said you weren't committed. Right? And so you, in one shape or another, experienced this lack of peace because the grace was never there. All I want is happiness. All I want is peace. Experience the grace of Jesus Christ. Grace to you. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's where it comes in. Who gave himself for our sins. Listen, there's a rescue afoot. I needed, as a small child, to be rescued. I needed to be rescued from something that I didn't understand was a dangerous thing that would harm me, that would bring me untold pain and suffering and would make those around me who loved me suffer through no fault of my own but through the acts of others on me. Paul is saying no, no, no. The gospel is this. You are in a world of danger. You're in a world of... In fact this is how bad it is. The gospel this is bad, okay? This is really bad. is that you're headed for hell. The fact that I hear nobody's tears or nobody's sobbing means you didn't get that. You're headed. Mach 5. For hell. Nightmare. And everything that you try, everything that you attempt, everything that you live to do to get yourself to earn the favor of God, to get yourself out of hell into the favor of God, is just getting you to hell faster. Oh, but I'm not using anymore. Yeah, you won't be using in hell either. Oh, but I'm not, I'm not robbing from nobody anymore. Really. I'm not, I'm not lying anymore. I'm not cheating anymore. No, 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 you don't understand. See, listen. Those who are stuck on religion don't understand how bad their sin really is. Those who are stuck on, oh, oh, I know, I'll perform my way into relationship with God, don't realize or accept how deep their sin and how disgusting their sin is to God. It's not like, oh, I stepped on your shoe, let me wipe it off. Most people think that that's, that's their view of sin. That, you know, no, no, no. It is so terrible. Sin is so vile. Sin is so gross that Jesus said the only way I'm going to deal with this is by being beaten into an inch of my life and then hanging on a cross and bleeding all my blood. This is how ugly. If you're not sure how vile sin is, look at the cross. If you're not sure about how much God loves you, look at the cross. If you're not sure how grievous our sin is, all we need to do is look at the cross. It's hopeless. There's no hope for us. We're all going to hell. Unless we get a rescuer to rescue us from the very thing that we don't think we need rescuing from. From the very thing that we don't think we need to be saved from. But I give my money. But I'm kind to my neighbors. But I visit people in the hospital. But I cross little old ladies across the street. But I'm nice to those who hurt me. No, you missed it. You missed it. That's not it. The gospel is that we were doomed. And then listen. Who gave himself, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. Here's the first thing that you need to know about the gospel. The gospel is that we need to be rescued. We don't need, watch this. If you're drowning, listen to me. If you're drowning... In the ocean, the last thing you need is for somebody to take a book, toss it overboard, and says, don't worry, it's a swimming manual. 
How silly is that? You're drowning. You're going to die. It's the middle of the ocean. Just recently, I was like, okay, so right, I, I, I'm just like, I'm learning how to surf, right? I told you I got a fat lip. Never happened again, boy. You know how it happened? I'm just swimming, and the wave is coming, and I'm just kind of like pushing up. And then when the, when the wave hits the board, it jerks up. It's like, smack. okay, you are not going to do that again, right? So I would swim. I see a wave coming. I grab the board now, right? I'm not stupid because uh, I ain't going to let that happen. But like I was in like eight feet of water, and a wave turned me over, and I was like, pow, pow, and I was trying to get, and I had a floating device, like the, you know, the surfboard. It's hard. And then a w- another wave hit me and it flipped me over. And I was like, man, when you're in like eight, nine, ten feet of water and you get hit by a wave, it's not like when you're by the shore and you just jump up and, oh, isn't this fun? And it's like it, the, the, the top of the wave hits you, the bottom of the wave flips you. It's a mess. It's a mess. I won't be doing that again. But no, I'm kidding. I'm going to try again. But here's the point. If the last thing anyone needs when they're drowning is instruction on how to swim. But you know, religion has been doing this for thousands of years. You're drowning in your sin. We're headed for death and hell. And people think, because again, they don't understand the problem. They don't understand the profundity and the depth of sin and the ugliness of sin. So you know what they do? They go, don't worry. Here's ten ways you can do better in your moral, you know, decisions. And you're drowning. And they go, don't worry, here's a book. Here's 15 things you can do to get at God's favor. Here's what you can do. Here's eight things that you can do. Memorize the Bible. Do this. Do that. And if you just do these religious rituals, these religious things, you'll be saved. Listen, you don't need a book. You need a savior. You don't need instruction. You need a savior. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins. What we don't get in the gospel is a God telling us, swim harder, work faster. What we get is a God who jumps into the storm. And not at the risk of his life, but at the cost of his life, saves us from our sin. It's the gospel. So first that we get is in, in this rescue mission is we get Jesus rescuing us. He comes in not as a help, but as a substitution. We've talked about this before. Remember um, substitutionary atonement? That there's like, right, remember the two goats, right? One is the expiation and one is the propitiation, right? One takes your shame and your guilt. The other one pays for your sins. Some of you were here when we talked about this. We get Jesus who comes himself. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins. Why? Why did he do it? Listen. To deliver us from the present evil age. He's doing it. He's delivering us from the present evil age according to the will of Of our God and Father. And this is big. To whom be the glory forever and ever. So why does Jesus do this? Why does he take such a... Watch this. It's for the glory of God. It's for God's glory. Who does it? Jesus. How does he do it? He's a substitutionary atonement. In other words, he dies for our sins. He pays the penalty for our penalty. If you're not sure that you... It's because you don't recognize how deeply sinful you are. You don't recognize, and my prayer would be that God would show you. If you've ever, this is why I try never to speak people out of their depression anymore. Listen, if you see something within yourself that's ugly, you are getting really, really close. If you come to me and you say, you know, but I don't deserve God's grace. In my heart, it's like I'm leaping for joy. I'm going, finally, you're getting it. 
but, but wait, I don't deserve God's mercy. I'm not, you know what? I just don't feel good enough for God's mercy. And at that point, I'm like, yes, you're getting it. You're getting it. Of course you don't deserve it. It would be as if you were in the middle of the ocean and you were drowning and, you, and, and the lifeguard, you know, you see him taking off his whistle and he's about ready and you go, no! I don't feel worthy. <laughs> it's retarded. Of course you wouldn't do that, right? Would you, am I, like, is that nonsense? But you see that. And this is why people won't come to church and why people won't come to God. No! Blah, blah, blah. I don't want you to come and save me until I learn to swim for myself. Is that retarded? Wait, wait, wait! I know I was under for three and a half minutes, but I'm really trying now. I'm almost ready. People do this all the time. I'm not going to go to church until I stop smoking cigarettes, until I stop having sex, until I stop... Um, wait, God! I, I, let me learn how to swim. Do you have those instruction manuals on board? I wonder if anybody's getting this. See, it's, it's preposterous. You're drowning. You need a savior. Jesus comes to save you. But I, but I can't do it. I can't be righteous. Finally, you're getting it. But I'm no good. Yeah. Let's rejoice in that. No, but you don't know what I did. God does and it's worse than even you think. Yeah, but last week or last night or, you know, I was at that party, I got really drunk and I woke up with somebody I didn't know. Yeah, it's worse than that. That was just the guy you woke up with. Uh, unless I go farther than that. Grace and to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. Why would God do that? It's for his glory. Listen, God does all the work so that he can get all the glory and you can get all the joy, right? So God gets all the glory, you get all the peace. Fair trade, right? God comes and he gets all the glory, right? His is the name that gets on the newspaper. Like you never, right? When you read a newspaper, I, I live across the street from um, Rockaway Beach, right? Is that what it's called? Rockaway Beach, right? I live across the street from Rockaway Beach, right? And whenever like somebody drowns, right? Or not drowns, but like almost as close to drowning, they get saved. You never even hear their name, right? You go, a young man was rescued by Daniel Smith, you know, lifeguard Daniel Smith, right? Jesus gets all the press clippings. You just look really bad and go, <laughs> and like walk around and just like, you know, you don't get any cr credit. You don't say, well, at least, you know, he couldn't have saved me if I wasn't drowning. Yeah, you don't get no credit for drowning, right? You know, y y what you do get, listen to me, and this is big. We're talking about big ideas. We're talking that God does it all. And he works it all in you. And he, Some of the most miserable people I know are the people who get saved by God, are on the boat, and then go, jump on the floor and just try to flail their arms. They say, you know what? I was saved, but now i got to work really hard in order to keep it. Most miserable people I know. You want to be really, really miserable? Be a Christian that has to perform for God in order to get his favor. Now, Paul is going to speak about, Paul is going to speak about how when you receive Christ, there's a work that he starts doing in you. It's called progressive sanctification. Somebody say that. Progressive sanctification. And that he starts doing this work in you. I, I tell you, I'm not perfect, but I'm a lot better than I used to be. I'm not like, you know, I'm not even anywhere near perfect, but I'm better than I was. Be, and, and if you knew me back then, you'd say, uh-huh, he's better than he was. Not like by a whole lot, right? And so when I say that, I feel like, like the 600-pound guy who's down to 400 pounds. And I'm like real, real proud that I lost the 200 pounds, but 400 pounds, right? Still got a lot to go, right? Yeah, I feel like that guy. So I understand that there's a ton more to go. But I'm, not because I tried really, really, really hard and God finally gave me the credit. It's not about you. It's about him. And Paul wants to bring us back. Here's, if Paul could say it in this statement, he would say this. Everything you've ever learned about God is wrong. 
what I'm going to do in this tiny, tiny letter is explode some myths that are in your life and in your heart. And I'm going to describe to you the life that's found in Jesus Christ. My prayer is that you would not turn away from that, that you would not run from that. And finally, this letter and this opening salutation, it tells us what we need if we're gonna if we're gonna get saved. Do you know what we you know what you need if you're gonna get saved? Like if you want to get saved, do you know what you need? Are you ready? Nothing. This is so offensive to so many people because they think, no, 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 I can't go to God unless I got something to give to him. It's a pride issue. I can't go to God unless I got something to give. No, no, nothing. This is why so many people don't want to get saved because they're out there looking for the something that they can bring to God. Don't let that be you. Yeah, but I'm not good enough. Of course you're not good enough. Yeah, but I, have, I, I don't live right. Of course you don't live right. Yeah, but listen, of course. You're worse than even you think. Of course. Like, does anybody have to even convince you of that? Right? Like, let me just get around your co-workers or your spouse. They'll tell you how you... Even, you know, you don't want to hear what they have to say about you. Here's the point. There's nothing that you can do. Nothing. He does it all. Great, great children. Old, old um, uh, hymn. It goes, Jesus. Anybody know this? Paid it all. All to him I owe. We gotta start singing hymns around here. Y'all don't know none of these. Sin had left the crimson stain. He washed me white as snow. Some people change that song and they say, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left the crimson stain. He washed me light pink. As if the work that Jesus did on the cross and his sanctifying work through the Holy Spirit in your heart is not enough. Like, there's something you have to add to it. Now, if you're really, really, really wicked in your heart, which is going to show you how wicked even you don't know you are, you're going to say, wow, God did all of that for me? I know. I'll go back and I'll just... <laughs> this, is, this is how some people take the information that I just gave them, right? God saves them, right? Like, it's, you know, it's Baywatch, like, right? And so God, you know, grabs them and he, you know, he swims them back to the boat and he, and he goes, you saved me. You're a great swimmer. That's amazing. You could do that every time. Wow. Let's see. It's, it's stupid, isn't it? We go, oh my God, you saved me. You're great. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to live a life of debauchery and sin. I'm going to throw myself into the sewer. I'm going to make sure that I break my soul and hurt the people around them. I'm going to practice for my divorce with my husband by sleeping with as many guys as I can. If I can't find Mr. Right, I'll at least be with Mr. Right now. Like, you know, that's what, that's what we do. And in doing so, in doing so, we just, we lose sight of what the gospel really is. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you. This is where I come from. Maybe it's where you come from. I don't know. Somebody, somebody saves my kid. Let's say they were, you know, playing too close to a window. And then they go to fall out. And somebody grabs that kid's heel and pulls them back. Or if they were drowning in some ocean and I couldn't see them or get to them for whatever reason and somebody at the risk of their own life brought them to me, let me tell you what would happen. If that person ever called me up and said, Edwin, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to do um, the premarital counseling for my kid and his wife, you know, his potential wife, you know, his fiance. I need you to do the premarital counseling and I need you to marry them. Could you do that in your church? <laughs> yeah. Right away, absolutely. When are you available? Right now. Right now. I'm available now. Like, bring them over. Can you get them now? Like, if, in, in other words, what favor could that person ask of me? What request could that person want of me that I wouldn't want to do? Not forced to do, but wouldn't really, 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 really want to do. There's nothing that that person could ask me that I wouldn't really, really want to do. 
Jesus comes and he saves us. And he says, now you know this is going to hurt you. Really? I don't want you to do that. That's going to hurt. Okay. Now I'm not doing it to earn his favor. I'm doing it because I love him. Because I'm absolutely insane. It's like, you know, if my wife ever tells me, kiss me. That's, that's not hard duty, right? Like, does everybody understand that? That's like not real difficult for me. Right? I don't have to like worry and just you know go into a Bible study about how much I have to sacrifice for this marriage. Right? I don't have to do that. Right? Neither do you. Right? Because it's a free gift. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed me white as snow. It's a rescue mission. And as we study through the book of Galatians, we're going to find out the rescuing that God does. And you're going to realize that God has done it all. And that because of that, we can rejoice. Not only has he saved us, but he's sanctifying us. He's changing us. Listen, butterfly, before it becomes a butterfly, never ever has to wonder, I wonder how I'm going to do this. It's already built in. God made him that way. And so it is for the believer. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, or even Skimmerhorn. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Pray with me. As the singers come up, we're going to be praying. I just want you right now just to stay in a prayerful place. Nobody looking around, just praying. You know what? You came here because you were seeking after God. No one had to force you. You know your need. Don't wait till tomorrow. Give your heart to Him today. This entire sermon, the Lord has been talking to your heart. And God has been throwing his arms up in the air like a a mother who's watching her child being abducted. And he's been pursuing you, begging you to run back to him. Today's your day. Don't talk yourself out of it. Don't talk yourself out of it. Father, you know the desperate place that we find ourselves in. You know that if we think we're bad, we don't even have a clue. And the reason that we get to live in peace is because of the grace that you give. The reason that we get to experience joy is because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ the reason that we get to live the abundant life is because you gave your life up completely for us. Father, for those here who already know you, I pray that this would have been a great reminder for them. That they would be reminded that there is a tremendous price that was paid for them. And Lord, as we go on through this series and we talk about living out this free gift. Lord, I pray that we would keep coming back, learn to live your word, free to enjoy you, and walk in your ways. And Lord, for those here who do not know you, my prayer is, Lord, that you would just, you would free them, that right now, you would grab a hold of them, Scoop them up out of their drowning sin. And that you would save them by your power. 
and by your grace, for your glory. Yes. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.